of cybersecurity. Here are your hosts Brian Horning, Reginald Andre, Randy Bryan, and Ryan O'Hara. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another edition of the Security Squawk Podcast. I'm your co-host, Brian, with Reg Andre and Randy Bryan. What's up, guys? How are you? Hey, doing well. Doing great. How about yourself? Happy Monday. We're on a we're on a aka short week because I have to travel later in the week. And this is uh Monday. We usually record on Tuesday. So we only have six days worth of content to update you on from the last time we recorded. Um, but as you guys know, before we jump into um, MSI, the Taiwanese chip maker getting ransomware, a New Jersey police department uh, in my backyard getting hit with ransomware, and then just a lot of updates on a lot of fallouts from a lot of ransomware events that we want to educate you about so you understand the full ramifications of what happens when you don't do cybersecurity the right way. Uh, that's the point of the show. So if we, you know, enlighten you, if we educate you, if we made you think, if we shared a new perspective with you that you didn't know before you listen to this show, please share the show, rate the show, get the word out. We're on social media. We're on your favorite podcasting platforms. Um, and I think that's where you find us. So just share us out wherever you find us, wherever you hear us, or at least give us a rating. Any of those things helps us out tremendously with other people seeing our content. And the more people that see our content, the better off the world's going to be. Right, Randy? Right, Randy? Yes. <laughs> All right. So, right to, as I mentioned uh, at the top of the show, MSI, the big chip maker out of Taiwan, uh, has hit been hit with ransomware. And as we always talk about on the show, when we start to see computer manufacturers get hit with ransomware or chip makers get hit with ransomware or software developers get hit with ransomware, it really elevates the concern for supply chain types of attacks down the road. Uh, and this is no different. And this is just a huge company. Like I consider MSI second to only NVIDIA in terms of who makes the most chips in the world. And I don't think I'm too far off from that. And that's a wild guess, but that's how I think of this company. So uh, let's uh, let's just get right into it. I'm going to throw it up on the screen here. Um, so here we go. Um, they officially confirmed it was or the victim of a cyber attack on its systems. And the company said it promptly initiated incident response and recovery measures after detecting network anomalies. It also said it alerted law enforcement agencies of the matter. And that said, MSI did not disclose any specifics about when the attack took place and if it entailed the exfiltration of any proprietary information, including source code. So not too much here in this particular article, guys. Um, as we sure. scroll down, it goes in to say that currently the affected systems have gradually resumed normal operations with no significant impact on financial business. And uh, the company said in a brief notice shared on Friday. Um, so what are your guys thoughts on this? Do you guys think that this is some, does it sound like this is something that they caught? Like mm -hmm. they said, they said when they detected network anomalies, but it sounds to me like the network anomaly was you have ransomware. You know, we don't we don't know the details yet, um, but there currently is a group on the dark web that's claiming responsibility for this. Right. Um, they've claimed they claim that they've stolen one point five terabytes of data, Yikes. including BIOS uh, source code, which is kind of the the guts of the brain of the computer and then also keys to allow signing. Um, to allow people to basically upload BIOSes to to uh, to motherboards using these keys to get them installed. If that's true, this is this is devastating. Whenever whenever you hear uh, to people that are that are listening, whenever you hear us talk about source code getting breached, that's devastating. When keys that allow you to basically get the keys to the kingdom to install stuff, that's bad. 
Um, we haven't, this hasn't been verified. So this could just be somebody just trying to make a name for themselves saying that they stole it. But if this is true, this could be really bad. Yeah. And in, in another um, article, they said that the ransomware is about $4 million is what they're asking for. So, but I think it's important too, where whenever you do need to get any updates from your computers, why it's so important that you're not Googling like the manufacturer name or, you know, you're going straight to that that website because now if they do have any information that can make it uh, website information um, models all of this information they can now basically try to replicate msi's website and the unknowing will think it's their website download something that's uh, malicious and now infect those computers as well yeah it's it's again it's if you guys remember when acer was attacked you know things came out slowly around those attacks as well. They were, they were attacked multiple times and I'm just referring to the most recent one. Um, and over time, more data and more information has been released and people really started to understand over a period of, of, I would say almost over a year, you really started to understand the, the breadth and depth of what they were able to get from, from Acer. Um, and I, I would suspect that you're not going to find much different here in this case with MSI. I think you're going to find out that they ended up getting a lot of stuff and a lot of things are going to be released over a long period of time. Uh, they will continue to, in my opinion, try to extort them for as long as they can. And they'll continue to release information and try to extort them around the fact that we have this information and we're going to continue to release it. Uh, and you know, they don't want this information getting out there. As Randy said, the source code, they don't really want this information getting out there because, you know, a lot of things can be done with that, you know, among supply chain attacks, you can also, also just steal the information. It's proprietary information that makes very expensive and very profitable chips, uh, for computers. And, you know, if somebody else could get their hands on that and replicate those chips that, you know, that's damage to this company. So lots, lots at play here. And we're in the early stages, as it was mentioned, and we'll find out more as this moves along. So anything else you guys want to add to this? Pretty, pretty scary. Cause this is, this is just the beginning as we kind of noted mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> with a lot of these attacks lately that unfortunately this is just the beginning of what we're going to see be a long drawn out situation for MSI. Yeah, Uh, this, this could be, you know, if you own an MSI computer, um, this is going to put you at risk, be super careful where, like Andre said, where you're downloading your BIOS updates from, don't do it from third-party websites. Um, Be very careful. And don't, uh, and, and scrutinize every email that you get that might alert you to download some kind of update or something like that, because, you know, a lot of these cards, a lot of especially graphics cards, I know a lot of times you have to register them to get the warranty. So it's a pretty common practice for people to uh, gamers and, you know, even uh, crypto miners back when they used to use cards for for mining cryptocurrency. These are all registered by people. Uh, and if they have that data now, they could potentially fish you and try to, you know, say, hey, MSI put a major update out and really scrutinize those emails who they were sent by where they came from hover over the links and as best practice always just type in the url to the site yourself and click through the links and get to the support pages and just do it all manually don't just rely on don't be lazy don't rely on convenience and click on links and and search for things on google uh because you could end up in a bad place because of of this type of an attack because scammers and cyber criminals are all over this creating fake pages uh fake emails all that stuff so be be alert all right so my backyard guys we had an incident uh with the camden county police department camden county is uh one of the largest uh 
populated, most more populated uh, southern New Jersey counties. It's across from Philadelphia. It is home to the city of Camden as well. Um, and that is one of the largest cities in the state of New Jersey. Uh, unfortunately, their police department experienced a ransomware attack that has been locking many criminal investigative files and day-to-day internal administration abilities, uh, several law enforcement officials said. Uh, investigators said that the attack started in the middle of March and technicians continue working to try to get all systems back up and running. A police spoke, spokesman confirmed the cyber intrusion but stressed the ransomware attack did not impact 9-11 call systems or public safety uh, responses. The Camden County Police Department spokesman Dan Keeshan said that the malware first hit the department about three weeks ago and the agency is operational and did not experience any disruption or outages in its public safety response services to the Camden City community. Uh, the FBI, the New Jersey State Homeland Security's office, and the New Jersey Attorney General's office were all notified of the incident and are assisting in the investigation. Uh, I'm just trying to skip ahead here and read, but what are your guys' thoughts on this? I mean, county right in our backyard um, hit with ransomware, pretty brazen to hit a, uh, a law enforcement because uh, you know the FBI is getting involved in that. Um, as a cyber criminal, you got to be thinking a few steps ahead and realize that if we hit if we hit these guys with ransomware, we're going to have the heat on us. Yeah. I mean, oh, go ahead, Andre. Um, no, um, I'm always looking at other articles as well. And I, in another article, it talked about how the, the uh, prosecutor's office also was hit with um, ransomware earlier in March as well. So it looks like it's something uh, that they're sharing or something that is target definitely targeted yeah so it, it it really looks here I would guess it's early on we don't know a whole lot um, I would guess Brian that they're gonna use this or try to use the data that they have obviously they'll use it for extortion um, either a the systems are locked here's money to unlock it or B we have your data this is a kidnapping. And here's the ransom need to pay or else we're going to release your data to the wild. This would be really, really bad if this was released to the wild, because it's going to be most likely you'll have police officers that are involved in crimes. People's criminal records get get released. I mean, there's really no telling. Um, maybe their internal processes might get revealed, you know, internal emails. There's really no way of knowing, but this has the potential to be extremely devastating. Yeah. Article goes on to state that sources briefed on the matter said the electronic police files were among those locked and inaccessible, which means that police are probably doing reports by paper um, and no longer on their computers, which has got to be, you know, grueling. Um, <clears throat> they s- continue to go on to say that the department is working with the information technology and law enforcement professionals to ensure there's no remaining threat on our network. And then one law enforcement source said investigators were looking into whether the incident began after a police department employee opened a personal email that was malware on a police department device. Interesting. Yeah, also- we, we don't usually get these leaks today. And it's funny to me that the, their own law enforcement source, uh, whoever that is, uh, is leaking this information that you know somebody opened something up on a personal email and we could only go to speculate what that is i mean um you know my mind i don't know what you guys think about this but my mind goes to that ceo or that person who who has a lot of authority in an organization who demands that they be allowed to you know kind of skirt the rules that are laid out for everyone else in order to protect data and, and, you know, kind of demand that they get their, their Gmail or their personal email um, set up on their device along with their work email. Um, that's kind of what I think of when I read things like that is that, you know, this got leaked because somebody who knew that th- that wasn't right knew it was going on. And because that was going on, now they have ransomware. You know where my mind goes? Go my mind goes to the one from Oakland where the unions now suing the city for the leak 
And it makes me think, well, the reason they they leaked this information that it was an officer who clicked on a personal link, maybe they're trying to cover their rears to keep their union from suing them if the data ever gets leaked. I don't know. I'm I'm thinking of cat and mouse chess game stuff here. Well, I mean, since you're talking about Oakland real quick, I'll just kind of share this with you because we moved it down in the list on our in our on our green room kind of agenda. But as you mentioned, Oakland, Oakland just acknowledged again last week that their ransomware attack has worsened with more new information being released. So you mentioned it. I thought I'd bring it up because we're going to talk about it later. But that's the deal. I mean, you, you, you just this is just going to get worse and worse for the city of Camden, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but it just goes to show you, I mean, nobody... Nobody is immune. Nobody should feel like they're above the standards that are set by, you know, IT and cybersecurity professionals and, you know, the decision makers of an organization. If you guys decide that there's a certain standard or uphold and all employees need to follow this, you can't make exceptions because, you know, somebody who has the authority or somebody who's higher up uh, wants something. I mean, I've been personally witnessed situations or been involved in situations where, you know, a subordinate is being told do this by somebody higher up. And who are they to say no? They're not going to say no. They're just an IT person working in the IT department. And there's some, you know, 20 some year old kid who's being told set this email up on my phone. We, do you think they're going to fight back or say no? I don't. I mean, and that's the situation that, we people need to be aware of that happens that lead to events like this. Nobody's above the law, so to speak, when it comes to cybersecurity. Right. Um, you know, I wonder also, like, could could this could th could this be some criminal that's under investigation? That's a high profile criminal, and they hired a international. Well, we know that get to go in and lock up the files and. I mean, I don't, um, I don't <laughs> think so. I just think this is going to be similar to what we saw with DC, where there's definitely going to be an element. Uh, I mean, look, probably the best city you could do this in is Camden. If you're talking about, you know, wanting to out undercover police officers or extort, right. extort. Right. You know, I mean, Cam Camden is a huge, is a high crime city. Um, and if I were some politicians in and around Camden and Camden County, I'd be shaking in my boots a little bit, you know, depending on what kind of information gets out. So, right. yeah, I mean, I'm sure D.C. is is in a similar situation as Camden. So, yeah, 100 percent. Take a page out of what happened in D.C. They extorted they extorted people who were under investigation. They extorted police officers who were, you know, quote unquote, undercover. Um, they they actually went and basically contacted two gangs. I remember there was a story that, where they contacted both sides of the gangs to kind of, you know, try to get one side riled up so they could make money off of another. So this is all to come here in the in the city of Camden, which is. Um, you know, just so you guys know, like I said, this is in my backyard, so I know a little bit more. The city of Camden used to have their own police department and it was so corrupt, it got shut down. And this, you know, Camden wow. County Police Department took over um, probably about a decade ago. And it's for all intents and purposes, it seems to be doing better. Um, but it's a county funded police department that is running the city that is basically responsible for the city of Camden. Um and yeah, this is going to impact not just the residents of the city of Camden, the whole entire county, which the taxes in that county are through the roof as it is, are going to have to pay for this. Right. You know, and um, I did get a comment on my Facebook. Someone is asking about, does this show how cities are basically underfunded or underfunding for, there we go, right there for cybersecurity. Um, I didn't know you could do that on your, uh, your stream yard. Way to go, Brian. But that's a good, that's a good question. And 
we we know statistically that that's probably true. Um, we're seeing lots of cities that aren't really doing anything, you know, or very little to for for cybersecurity. It's disturbing. Yeah. It also just shows that, you know, maybe the IT director um, for this city police department was doing everything right. But it just takes that one thing to be wrong and everything else is just a downfall. And in right. this case, if it was that that inter- that Gmail or whatever the personal email it was, that's all it takes is bypass the spam filters that the city had, went right in and boom. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, all it takes is that that email click opening up opening up a little executable that can do a, a instant instant search but around the network for vulnerable Gmail. Gmail. Yeah. <laughs> so Gmail's the best. Nothing gets through on Gmail. All right. So we have another question here before we move on. Cindy Phillips wants to know and what will the cities need to cut to be able to fund new cybersecurity initiatives? Wow, and I'm, and I'm not a politician here, Cindy, but I I personally don't think there'll be no cuts. I think they're just going to go back to the well and pay for this using bonds and raising people's taxes. Agreed. Um, but that's that's kind of how they're going to do it. They're not going to cut anything. Um, and John Hanson. There's also well, there's also funding that's been made available. It's not much compared to all the other things that the government's been spending money on. But I believe they made. $800 million available about, I think it's becoming available this year. It was last year they made it available. Like I know in Texas, it won't be available until September, but that money is supposed to go towards cities and governments, local municipalities, things like that, to be able to have cybersecurity or to be able to better protect themselves. This is a national security issue, in my opinion. 100%. Oh, yeah. I mean, the FBI, I mean, I don't know what kind of resources they have at the end of the day, but I got to imagine they got to be getting stretched thin, <clears throat> helping, you know, we, we talked about the city of Camden, right? They're helping there, <clears throat> um, or at least the county. And then they're just all over the place getting involved in, in ransomware attacks. Makes you wonder how much they can really help small businesses who get attacked or mm-hmm. medium-sized businesses. I don't think they can. I think they have to pick and choose what they get involved with. And unfortunately, uh, that's kind of where we're at. And, you know, as we go through, we, we talked about um, we talked about common spirit a couple of weeks ago. And again, in line with what we talked about with with Oakland, um, this common spirit issues an update confirming that 164 facilities were affected by a ransomware attack. Um and this was back in October of 2022, the common spirit uh, had a ransomware attack. And now they've confirmed that 164 patient facilities were affected. That's a lot. I mean, ouch. I think I would just hang it up, retire. That's it for me, man. Dealing with that. And uh, definitely confirmed that patient data was stolen. So as this stuff gets released, they're, you know, they're going to be up against it here in the next couple of months. And that's why we're kind of briefly touching on this and updating everybody. Um, because as this gets deeper and as the lawyers are and the investigators are pulling th- through all the data and the logs to see what actually happened here. And depending on what they have available and what they don't have available, sometimes when you don't have telemetry available to figure out what's going on, you have to assume that it was. So it could be a, a, a little bit of that going on too. Um, but you have a ton of facilities here that were impacted where patient data probably lived. And there's probably a lot of information that's been released and there's going to be a lot of lawsuits to follow. 623,774 individuals is the estimate, the current estimate. As yeah, that was at their first time to actually uh, come out and say the exact number. Could, could end up being more. That's crazy. Yep. And uh, <clears throat> they run hospital facilities and it looks like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, about 11 states. So and p- people don't realize how, how bad this data is when it's deleted because there's several aspects here. One, <clears throat> if they find out, 
if it, if it includes personal health information, then that can be used to target um, individuals building trust because they know some things like, hey, reaching out to you about your knee, you know, blah, blah, blah. And boom, here's some things. Um, we'll probably see, I have no doubt if it's not already there very, very soon, somebody's going to figure out how to use ChatGPT to take all of the dark web data that's coming from different places and use it to bring it all together, um, you know, to build profiles on people. Um, it can also be used as information literally today. I'm still, my blood's still boiling because today, and I didn't say anything to anybody. You're the, y'all the first person that I've said this to. I said something to my wife earlier on the phone with a financial institution. They asked for a social security number, a date of birth and an address. And boom, I was verified. I was verified in their system after that. And I wanted to blow a gasket because that stuff's out there for so many people now these days. Someone could just get that information, call this company and start getting into the financial accounts and doing things with that. So when stuff like this gets leaked, it's more than just it affects one person. This this is opening up the door to so much. Yeah, it is 100%. So, I mean, you're talking over a half a million people already, and this is the early stages of disclosure, and they're fully expecting this to go up. And this isn't the end of, of this. This is just an update to probably many more that we're going to bring you over the next couple months. So moving right along, guys, we have uh, another article that I, I thought was interesting, and I wanted to talk about it briefly, is – these Iranians, uh, these Iranian-based hackers are basically using ransomware as a false flag for what's being dubbed as the destruction of systems. So really the end goal here and, and the reason we don't have much information on as to why this group known as Muddy Water has been doing this this way there has to be a reason. And I would imagine that they're probably targeting very specific targets where uh, making systems inoperable makes a lot of sense versus deploying ransomware and trying to make money off of it. So I'm thinking this is more of uh, in lines with geopolitical uh, motives behind it. And they probably are trying to target critical infrastructure type of, of systems would be my guess if, you know, based on what I'm reading here. Um, but at the end of the day, they're, they're, they've been observed um, breaking into um, facilities, networks, and look making it look like they're getting ready to deploy ransomware. But that's just a false flag, like I mentioned, to literally just destroy the system, delete it, and, and completely destroy and disrupt the whole entire operation that's what's at play here thoughts on this guys this is a, a new twist that you know do 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 you think i'm correct in in saying that you know maybe normal private businesses don't have to worry about this threat or do you think i'm off on that because i think i feel like this would be more of a target of like uh the grid and things like that I mean, it just, I guess it just depends on their intentions. I mean, um, the, you know, Iran is involved in a lot of stuff geopolitically and they are in a constant state of war um, with certain countries. So, you know, from that standpoint, just keeping it from that standpoint, if they got into Joe's plumber shop in Camden, New Jersey, they might go ahead and, and if you're Joe's plumber shop, that was just a made up example, but they might get into that plumber shop and wipe the systems just because that happens to be somebody that's contributing to the economy of the United States of America. But on the other hand, they do have very sophisticated cyber, you know, cyber criminality, criminal criminality. Wow. I can't even say that word, but they are very sophisticated from this, from this particular, uh, in this particular aspect. And they could be going after targeted individuals, targeted companies, targeted governments. I mean, they could be doing all of that. So I think it's a I think it's a, a valid point. 
what are they going to do if they find collateral? You know, are they going to do collateral damage as well? If they run into other systems along the way, I bet you they will. Who knows? Mm -hmm. One thing I am noticing more as we go through more articles is the, the fact that Microsoft is getting more involved and you're hearing that they're being proactive. And there's an article we're going to talk about that, but just more and more, I'm just starting to see Microsoft, you know, giving the community more information and what they're doing about it. And not just saying, you know, hey, we're selling this and it's up to you to protect it, but they're actually helping the, the greater community as well. And it does say down in the article that um, they've primarily singled out Middle Eastern nations, which is, you know, going to be top of their list as well. Certain nations are from a, you know, they're at war or internally they view them as enemies. And so that makes sense as well. Yeah, so good point. This is an interesting one, guys, that we're going to bring up next is this Rorschach ransomware. Um, and I don't know if you guys check this out, but it, the reason that they're kind of making news here is, uh, and the reason that they're named Rorschach is because they actually, things kind of change every time they run it. Like, and, and this group has been around... For a little under a year, they first hit the scene in June of uh, 2022. Um, and there's a couple of things with this group. Um, but the main thing is, is that their, their ransom demands typically tend to be on the lower side for the types of groups that they hit. So the, I think the most that they've ever asked is a million dollars is the highest and uh, it seems to be that, you know, somewhere between 50,000 to a million is where their kind of sweet spot is for ransom demands, which is considered to be on the low side. Now, I, I read this article and the reason I wanted to bring it up is because this is kind of a play for me, like where they're just evaluating the the marketplace and how the insurance companies are responding to this and they're pivoting knowing that if they ask for lower amounts um that they that they're not going to trigger as, as much of an issue around getting paid as if they were asking for higher amounts so i think these lower amounts are palatable from both the business standpoint and the insurance company standpoint so they're they're seeing a higher rate of payment versus if you come in at like four million dollars and they're like, there's no way we're paying that. We're just going to recover from a backup. They've kind of found a sweet spot, like I said, where their victims are going to pay this amount and they'll just, you know, economies of scale. They'll just hit more companies to kind of, you know, hit their revenue benchmarks instead of only needing to hit one a month. You can hit you know, five a week. And yes, you're dealing with more people on the back end, but a lot of this stuff's getting automated by software. So you don't need as many people. So now you can hit more companies and ask for less money. Is that what you're seeing based on this article? Because that's kind of how I interpreted it. Yeah, absolutely. Pay it. Don't get the insurance company involved. You know, sweep it under the table and let's move on as fast as possible. Right. If you know somebody's deductible, like you, we're, we're just going to ask for this amount. You're not even going to hit your deductible. So don't even file for cyber insurance. Right. So then you're not dealing with a, with an attorney and somebody who's hired by the insurance company to negotiate this ransom. You're avoiding all that bullshit, which I'm sure they hate dealing with. Um, and that's, you know, where this is going. Also the, the article mentions that they really try to push it for speed and, it really takes advantage of kind of a known flaw, you know, on the uh, defense side of cybersecurity. And that's putting out companies will put out like a fake word document and then they watch for it to be encrypted. And then when it's encrypted, usually involves a human getting involved and then someone deciding, hey, this whole machine's getting encrypted. Let's let's separate it from the from the network. And one of the things that this ransomware does is it kind of cuts the time almost in half of what like Lockbit and Conti and some of those other ones actually, actually how long they actually take to encrypt. Right. So with that speed, 
um, they can basically fly under the radar because if they can do it in five minutes, there's almost no way that a, a security operations human is going to see that, reach out to the business owner and get it get it separated from the network by then. They'll still just be asking asking questions. So yeah, and, it, and I did read that the name real quick. The name comes from the the Rorschach, Rorschach right. was a doctor yeah. who created those ink blot things. And everybody who's looked at this ransomware has come up with like a different thing about it that caught their eye. So that's why they named it that. Yeah. But I, I think in the long term, though, this is going to be bad if if it is just paid, you know, because it hit the it didn't hit the deductible because there's I think the environment changes when you are getting all of those. You're getting the attorney involved, breach coach involved, you know, cybersecurity remedi remediation companies involved. I think the culture of the whole company normally then changes because it was like a oh crap moment and all the lessons learned. But if you just pay 50 grand under, you know, under the table, nobody knows. It's like, are you then, what are you doing to make your things better? Are you just kind of like expensing it off and just calling it a day and like, all right, we dodge a bullet, yep. let's continue. Or yep. so I think that's kind of bad as well. Ah, so Andre, great segue. One third of US <laughs> companies cover up cyber breaches and ransomware. <laughs> yeah, I believe, <laughs> I believe yeah. it. Said it's a, in this article, it says nearly half, 42% of IT professionals have been told to hush up data breaches and ransomware attacks, according to a survey by Bitdefender. More shockingly, 29.9% of respondents admitted to keeping a breach confidential instead of reporting it. And I think that those numbers are severely low. Like, I'm, I'm dead serious. I would say double those numbers all day long and you're you're still in the safe category. So I'd say probably close to 90% have been told to hush up and I would say close to 60% admit to keeping a breach confidential. I I'd say double those easily. I don't those think- are, Those are lying statistics all day right. long. I caught a fish this big. No, yeah. it was this well, big. if you hold it up to the camera, it looks even bigger. See, so this big fish you hold up to the camera, it looks like it's a foot wide. This is how I take my selfies with my fish. Like I hold my but, arms. <laughs> but you know, um, I I would say that I don't know that the reasons behind this are necessarily nefarious. You know, it always goes back to everybody just wants to get their work done, and you know, you've not always, but a lot of times it does. So a lot of times people will bring in what we call shadow IT. They'll bring in other apps and other devices because they're just trying to get their work done. doesn't make it right. And I wonder in these cases, if business owners, IT people are just wanting to get back to work rather than having to deal with a really long investigation and, you know, shutting their systems down. We know that like, what is it like 80% of all businesses go out of business within like six months after a ransomware event. So a lot of businesses are just hanging on by a thread as far as money goes. And the thought of having to go through like a three week or a six month long investigation into this stuff is probably pretty scary. So that'd be, that'd be my thoughts on that. I think you're probably right. It's probably, probably way underestimated. People just want to get back to get back to work a lot of times. So quickly blowing through this statistics in this article, which is really well done by insider intelligence. Why are businesses hiding security breaches? Organizations are burying data breaches to avoid legal and financial penalties or to skirt liability for compromising their users' data. Uh, and I think that's only going to increase with things like FTC safeguards, guys. Because uh, FTC safeguards isn't even, isn't even a thing yet, right? But right. then you have people skirting things because of the FTC, as you can see in the next line where re the research comes less than a year after the FTC convicted former Uber CISO uh, Joseph Sullivan for attempting to cover up a hack of Uber in 2016. So right. like it doesn't matter when you, you covered up a cyber attack, <clears throat> like it, you had a cyber attack in the last 12 months and FTC safeguards goes into effect in June and they don't push it back again <clears throat> and things come out and lawsuits are, are filed. They're going to use that to come after you. State attorney generals will absolutely use that to come after you. Um, 
the problem, uh, according to the annual data breach report by the Identity Theft Resource Center, is 41% of U.S. companies have been breached multiple times in the past five years. So that's not even one time. So I would say probably double that to 82% of U.S. companies have been breached in the last five years. And when you say in multiple times, it, it's 41%, which is wild. I'm just going to skip down to this last one where it says Rackspace laid off 275 employees last week or 4% of its global workforce due to an uncertain macro environment. Um, but as we know, it is not, but this could, I will say it is with 100% certainty yep. related to losses from its massive ransomware breach in December. Agreed. Yeah. You know, um, you actually literally mentioned that from the previous article, Andre, about what you what you just said, Brian, about uh, not wanting to affect their reputation, wanting to just move on, you know, um, I don't know. I wonder, going back to that previous article, is, is does this mean we're going to start seeing smaller ransoms, you know, rent, so people have to pay less and can just move on? Another disturbing thing out of this particular article, though, is the the one that says... 52% of organizations have experienced a breach within the past 12 months. That's over half. And yeah. what happens when, you know, you pay that ransom $50,000 or whatever it is. And then six months later, you find out that the bad guy also made a deal with somebody else and now selling your information on yep. dark web. And now you're having to explain to your shareholders or to your customers or to your vendors that something happened last year and you did not say so one of the things I want to point out is a chart that I have up on the screen here. And basically it's the, the cyber readiness levels of U.S. companies. So if you're, you're sitting there and you hear about all these cyber attacks and you're wondering why they happen, well, this is a really good visual representation of why they happen and, and, and the frequency that they happen. Because at the end of the day, every company should be striving to be in that dark gray area, which is known as mature or an index score of 76 plus, which, you know, quite frankly, that's a pretty liberal score. If you want to consider yourself mature, um, progressive is, is a 45 to 75. Right. So if we just look at the companies that have actually that are actually mature in their cybersecurity practices overall that's the one you want to be looking at. That's everything evaluated. Only 13% of companies in the U.S. have reached a maturity level of, of uh, where they're considered mature, right? And then if you start to look at whether it's software, whether it's the network, whether nothing there goes even close to 50%. So you have more than half the companies in this country even if you break it out by devices and data, they're not, they're not even halfway, you know, like we don't even have half the country at a, at a level would I, which I would consider mature where they could fend off a cyber attack. That's how I look at this data. It's pretty scary. It is. I mean, there's a lot of opportunity for improvement for sure, but what are we doing there? When, how are we doing it? And internet's been out or around, you know, how long? What's that? I said, how long has the internet been out where we're just using it and the relying so much on it, but then it right. didn't, it hasn't caught up to the security aspect. Right. <clears throat> so we got Dish Network. Uh, their, their lawsuits are piling up. I think we touched on that, but we're going to continue to update this. We're not going to spend a ton of time on this. We're kind of just showing everybody this network is uh, now starting to deal with massive lawsuits because of their ransomware attack. Um, do you guys just quickly, do you guys think this is the beginning of the end for Dish Network? I mean, because if I'm like DirecTV or somebody like that, you know, you're just waiting to gobble this company up at this point now. Yeah, it's 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 bad because if they get too many lawsuits, if they have to do a class action lawsuit. Oh, it's which, multiple class action lawsuits at this yeah, point. With them. That has the potentially basically to end the company. You're right. So it I could, mean, at the end of the day, this is a company that provides satellite service to basically the whole. I don't even know if they operate internationally, but every so basically every state attorney general is going to file a class, class action lawsuit against 
dish network, all 50 states. So it's wild. I mean, because yeah. because of the amount of data that was stolen, it wasn't about the TV service being down. That didn't happen. It's about the the inability of these companies to protect consumer information. So, uh, Randy or Andre, you uh, you mentioned this one a little bit earlier. Oh, there it is. Um, this this is interesting to me and how. Uh, Microsoft and Fortune, well, actually three three entities, this H. Isaac and then Microsoft and Fortra um, decided to file a, a, a lawsuit in the U.S. District Court uh, for Eastern New York. Um, and they basically agreed with Microsoft and Fortra and they allowed them to uh, basically remove illegal copies of cobalt strike so they can no longer be used by a ransomware uh, as a service operation such as Conti and, and Lockbit. Um, so I don't, I'm not clear. And Andre, I don't know if you have read this as much, but I'm not clear on what do they mean by what, what exactly they mean by the remove legal, illegal copies from where? From Microsoft systems or? or no, no, because it seems that the hackers are using Cobalt Strike, which is like a right. testing tool, right? But it's an illegal copy, so they're using that that illegal copy now to then do bad things. So what they're wanting to essentially do is reverse engineer it and then stop that 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 software that service from actually running. Kind of like how they they're trying to do with um, uh, the got it, got it, got it. Right. Yeah, I remember. Okay, so just like they're doing with the Microsoft uh, Exchange servers, if, exactly. Yeah, exactly. if the so everybody remembers, we talked about the Microsoft Exchange servers. How Microsoft took uh, a pretty unprecedented step by basically saying, if you're running an, an old Exchange server, we're not going to accept mail from your server anymore um, after a certain date. And it sounds like they're about to do the same thing with Cobalt Strike. They're going to be able to determine what, because Cobalt Strike, just so everybody knows, is software, but you have to have a server that the software kind of reports back to. Um, and I guess if that server is running an old version of Cobalt Strike, uh, Microsoft is going to make an it's, attempt to shut it down. Well, I got it's a not lot that of it's a Go ahead. Well, it's not that it's an old version. It's a cracked version. Yeah. So, so somebody it. illegally obtained the keys for it. Because Cobalt strikes like six right. grand a year. Per sure. Person. Sure. And so they're, they're obtaining you get the keys illegally or they're, right. you know, maybe they're messing with the, the EXE or who knows what, you know, to push some kind of fake key through there. But bottom line is they're able to tell from, you know, from the Internet, uh, Forta or or Microsoft can tell, Fortra or Microsoft can tell if it's cracked. And they're just saying they're gonna block those cracked, those cracked versions. Yeah. Which seems like they'd want to do that anyway, you know? Right, but you can't just block traffic on the internet because like they can do it, they can do it at basically a, a layer three level, right? Or you right. know, like I mean which I like. I like the idea of them kind of blocking things at that level and not putting it on guys like us to have to do it, you know, at our, at our level. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I, I hate this tool. I mean, I hate the fact how, it, how easy it is to get a, um, a, a, a trial version without them really knowing who you are or what you're using it for. Uh, and then clearly they have, they don't really have a great mechanism for controlling who uses this software and, and being able to disable some of the features if you don't pay for it. And if you don't register it, um, there's a lot of problems with this very powerful piece of software. As I say all the time to people that I work with and I coach around cybersecurity, if you have cobalt strike on your network, you're dead. Like you're done. Like forget about it. Like, the, the amount of damage that, that that thing can do once it's on your network um, isn't going to be anything anybody wants to deal with. So kudos to Microsoft for, for doing that. I think it's a huge win for 
the security community. Um, let's see how far it goes. Let's see how long it can last before they pivot and move and figure out other ways. I mean, Randy, when I was reading this, the very first thing I thought of is there's a lot of ways to hide these servers from being discovered. That's kind of like, it's not like email where they have to be exposed to operate. I can close this off to say only like, I only want this IP address communicating with my cobalt strike server and then Microsoft can't find it. Right. Right. Isn't that so that was my first thought when I, when I read that, I was like, yeah, great. But you know, they're just going to pivot and move to basically hiding it. So it's not exposed to the internet so it can be found. So all right, guys, that's about it. We covered everything. Great show. We're 50 minutes in. And uh, ton of, I knew there was going to be a ton to talk about because it didn't take me but five minutes to create the outline before the show. Um, I appreciate everybody's comments. We didn't have time to throw everybody's up there. Uh, this new feature that we have available to us in StreamYard allows uh, Randy and Andre and I to kind of blast this out to all of our social media channels. So um we're 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 getting it out there to a lot more people before we wrap up guys i know you can see the the uh comments as well is there anything in there that you guys want to throw up before we end the show (laughs) i thought cindy cindy phillips made a great comment when we were talking about the the not horse shack what was it rorschach (laughs) yeah the green room you called it horse shack yeah blitzkrieg cyber attack you know coming in super fast and getting getting that encryption done before anybody has a chance to react. And, you know, that's the cat and mouse game is what that is, because now they've they've basically or the chess game, if you will, they've basically moved the chess piece. So now we're going to have to bring AI into the mix because AI can act quicker. Um, But but literally in the last month had a user they saw one of the little, they're called canaries, saw one of the little canary files and deleted it. And so a human reached out and said, hey, your canary file's been deleted. You know, do we need to shut the system off? Um, so this will just make it have to go where AI gets involved. And so in somebody's case like that, their system's probably going to get cut off from the internet because they deleted a canary file. So, 100%. Yep. Good point, Andre. Uh, just uh, thanks for James for commenting. Um, mm-hmm. Made a good point about zero trust being an excellent way to design your security strategy. So um, only allow the applications that you know for sure you're using, and everything else is automatically blocked. That would help in a lot of these scenarios that we uh, talked about today. Yep, and don't put don't put the boss's Gmail on his phone, even if he puts a gun. <laughs> there. Don't do it. Yeah. So. All right. We'll see everybody in the next episode next week. Please remember, share the show and review us. Rate us. Five-star review is very much appreciated. And we'll see everybody next week. Take care. Have a great week.